welcome to today's Library Girl and Book Boy podcast. I am going to be interviewing the lovely Amy Wilson about her latest book from Macmillan's Children's Books, which is called Snow Globe. I'll be asking her lots of questions about that, and I'll also be filling you in on her previous two magical titles. I hope you enjoy listening. We are in for a treat today, everybody, because today we have Amy Wilson on the podcast to chat about her book, Snow Globe, which has a beautiful cover by Rachel Vale and is published by Macmillan's Children's Books. Hi, Amy. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Um, So shall we get started by you telling us a little bit about what Snow Globe is actually about? Yes, um, it is about a girl called Clem um, and she's having a rather difficult time at school um, and it all goes a bit wrong one day and she gets given a book by her father that belonged to her mother who's been missing since um, Clem was about two and this book has in it various entries from her mother plus a picture of um, this tall house Um, and Clem decides to go for a walk and as she's walking she discovers this house for the first time recognises it from the book um, and can't help but venture inside where she finds all these shelves full of snow globes and snow globes hanging from ceilings Um, and in each one of those snow globes is a magician who's been trapped there Um, And as she goes through the house, which is rather creepy and has various things going on in it, um, she discovers that there's a boy from school in one of those globes. Um, And she's forced to run away by the uh, arrival of the rather creepy Ganymede. Um, But she knows she has to go back and to help Dylan, who's been trapped in that snow globe, and to discover as well all the secrets of that house and where her mother might fit into it all. Um, so that's the adventure really that Clem goes on. Yes, and it is a fantastic adventure. I really, really loved reading the book. I raced through it. It's brilliant. I'm so, so. glad. <laughs> I would highly recommend it. <laughs> Thank now, you. you mentioned um, a second ago Ganymede. Now, in the prologue to the story, you reference um, three sisters who are named for three of Jupiter's moons, mm. um, Ganymede, Callisto, and I think it's Io. And I was just wondering um, if there was a particular significance of them being named after those particular moons? Um, well, so Gan is actually a character I wrote about in my very first book that never got published. And um, I decided I wanted to use her in um, Snow Globe. Um, she's just really strong in my mind and kind of creepy and wonderful and, I don't know, full of stories. Um, and I had a little look online. I, I thought, well, what does Ganymede mean? What does it stand for? Um, and realised that it could be a shortening for Ganymede. And once I had seen that, the idea of Jupiter's moons um, really struck me. That's just a lovely bit of um, of legend, really. And so then I thought, I don't know where the idea for the sisters came in. But obviously I named them after Jupiter's moons as well. And the more I looked into them, the more meanings they all have. It's really fascinating. Um, and so that's, that's sort of where it came from, really, and how it got to where it is now. And do you attribute a specific meaning to each of those names? I know you said there were several, but is there one in particular that stuck 
in your thoughts predominantly for each of the characters or um that's an interesting question i don't i think that once i had them they took on their own lives um Ganymede is the oldest sister and she is still quite bound up by her father's rules of the house and of the snow globe worlds and then Io is sort of more of a rebellious younger sister and then Callisto is younger again um, and escaped the house um, to be with Clem's father and I think that once I had those three sisters and their relationships with each other their natures then sort of took them off on their own adventures and I just sort of followed them along really. Brilliant, thank you. Um, so you mentioned um, Clem, Clementine, who yeah. is the main character in the story really. Now she is um, 11 and she is resenting her growing magical powers. I was just wondering if there was, if it was a coincidence that her powers were growing in power as she was approaching puberty herself if that was significant at all I think it is um I think it's a huge time of change and of learning about ourselves and where we fit in the world sometimes we don't feel that we do and I think that all of those things are quite raw at that age and I think that does come with puberty and it comes with change and I think that if a person did have magical powers or any connection with the magical world it is a natural time for that power to start emerging and perhaps being a bit more difficult I mean our bodies are changing and um, our hormones are making things slightly you know more difficult perhaps for us at that age and to think that magic is just an extension of those feelings really um, of you know sort of losing some of your emotional control perhaps occasionally um, and that's what happens to Clem at school. Um, she gets fed up um, at having been picked on for so long. And that's when her magic sort of comes in and makes things a bit more difficult than they otherwise would have been. So, yeah, I think it is very connected, all of it, really. Yeah, no, I certainly thought that as I was yeah. reading myself. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Um, now, you've, you've mentioned um, in her mother's diary, Clem's mother's diary, there's some beautiful um just pictures of a very strange and mysterious building and I thought as I read the book myself that lots of the buildings and locations in Clem's town are really beautifully described and um, particularly the house mentioned in Callisto's diary and I just wanted to know if they were purely drawn from your imagination or if any of them were based on places that you visited or that you know yourself um so the town, I think, resembles a little part of Bath, where I used to live. And there's a cafe that was called Cafe Retro, where I used to have brunch sometimes. And um, I think that that part of Bath influenced um, Clem's town, or the part of town that she's talking about where the house rears up. But the house itself, I can't say, has um, a particular um, um, connection it's just what I imagined might happen if you had a house um, <laughs> rising up <laughs> out of nowhere. Really, I think the the intern, the you know, the inside of it is much more important than the outside. Mm. Um, and in terms of the inside, I suppose it would it would be um, almost no. It's it's hard. I suppose I've described it in the book, but it's it's hard to sort of put words to it. Um, it's I don't know, it would give you the same impression as if you walked into a cathedral 
you know, in moonlight yes. or something like that, something really grand and amazing mm. and a bit creepy and a bit unknown, uh, where there are lots of shadows and corners that you can't quite see into. Um, and I suppose that's the sort of idea that I was trying to get across there. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that the outside wasn't as important, but I think part of the outside of the house that was important was the garden. Yes. That's attached. Is there anything that you can tell us about that without giving too much away? Um it's symbolic, really, of the face of the house itself. Um, so in her mother's drawing of the house, there are these beautiful gardens. Um, and when Clem discovers the house for herself, the gardens have been left. They're all thorns and tangled brambles. And so she needs to sort of negotiate past those. And I think she feels... Even though she doesn't know the place yet, she doesn't know any of the stories really, she feels this sense of loss somehow, that something that was beautiful has been allowed to um, sort of wither really. And um, that's, that's quite important as you go through the book and discover more about Clem's mother, but I won't give too much away. No, no, don't, because that's what <laughs> So um, going back to the inside of the house, obviously the shelves upon shelves of snow globes and snow globes hanging from the ceilings and snow globes everywhere are the central, the star of the story, Mm. really. Mm. And I was just wondering what gave you the idea of having these snow globes as actually being magical worlds where people are trapped? Yeah, I think, I mean, I love a snow globe. I think they're beautiful and I think there's something really interesting about having these creatures and these characters inside them. Um, I think I must have been quite heavily inspired by Terry Pratchett, actually. Mm -hmm. I read his book, Mort. It must be about 20 years ago. Um, And in that book, Death is a character and has a house that's full of timers, which represent people's lives. Um, and I and the you know there are shelves and shelves of them and I think that must have just that image must have just stayed with me all that time, um, and came through I think in Snow Globe. Um, I just I love the idea of all that activity but contained all those worlds, but shut away. So the house could feel silent, but it isn't. It isn't really because there are so many worlds in there, so many things going on on the inside. Um, and yeah, I think that's the main inspiration for it. And it just grows, you know, a thing, once you start, <laughs> it just grows. And so um, I did find at one point I was a little bit um, worried about having trapped all these magicians. It felt quite dark. And so I started to put mm. things like teapots in them and um, all kinds of childhood sort of knickknacks. Um, but actually they weren't really true to the story I was trying to tell which was about magic and things being shut away. Um, and then, you know, what happens to them once they've been shut away like that? Yeah, no, definitely the story does have quite a dark kind of yearning feel to it. And I I think that kind of mm. being encapsulated in those snow globes does kind of add to that sense of containment and absolutely almost. Yeah, it does, yeah. Although some of the um, worlds within the snow globes are actually very beautiful. Yes, I mean, I mean, yes. They, I think they, for me, they sort of go hand in hand. They're, they're dark, but they're beautiful. They're full of possibility. I think it depends what magician is inside them. So a magician who's relatively content 
to be locked away in a snow globe might make all kinds of things in that world. But one who is just desperate to get out or in denial about the magic they have wouldn't be able to create those same things, wouldn't be free to make it quite as beautiful. And I think those are some of the things that hopefully come across in the book. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. So if you were to be tricked into <laughs> a snow globe and you were trapped there yourself, what would have to be inside that snow globe for you to be content to stay there? Everything. <laughs> I was I was trying to think about what I would need. And of course, you know, my children and books and my dog Rocky and, um, you know, all kinds of people and things. But then also trees and mountains and seas and animals and buildings. And so everything, really, um, I think um, it would have to be really big on the inside. Even yeah. if I just occupied a small part of it, just to know that everything else was out there, I think I would need. You wouldn't get the sense of claustrophobia of being trapped. Well, I mean, well, I don't know, because if, if you made it a world, then it would be a whole world. As mm. you know, we, we are on a we are on Earth and we can't we can't go off that not easily anyway it doesn't feel claustrophobic because we have everything we need within that within that space yeah um, and i think that if you if you were in your snow globe and you made i don't know if you made it that big and full of that much possibility um probably you'd be all right but that you know um that's not that's not how I suppose that's an idealistic way of looking at it if you had to be in there forever. I'm sure yeah. that if it actually happened, yes, I would want to get out and back to the real world. Yeah, no, I think I probably would too. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice to stay there for a little while, perhaps, but not for... A little bit. I don't know. It's, but I suppose it would depend how much um, in control you were if you could make things just as you liked. I don't know. It's um, mm. Yeah, I'll have to give it some more thought. <laughs> yeah, you should. Uh, an important question. I know. <laughs> yeah. oh thank you so is there anything else that you think that any potential readers of snow globe need to know before they set off and find it in the bookshop or at the library hmm. Hmm. anything you can say that might convince them that this is the book for them um, if this hasn't already i don't know i suppose there is magic and there is real life in there there's family and family is complicated um, and finding our place in that family and finding our place in the world is difficult. And I hope that it reflects some of those challenges um, and sees Clem learn so much about herself and how to trust other people that by the end of the book, um, you know, she is um, in, a, in a better place, different and not what she had imagined at all. But that all of these things that challenge us, um, you know, hopefully are helping us to become who we who we are and who who we can be happy to be. Brilliant. Thank you. That's great. So um, that is the wonderful snow globe. And I do urge people to go and read it. It is it's come highly recommended by anybody that I have lent it to. It's always come back with glowing reviews. Oh, so it's definitely, definitely one to grab out them probably one for your kind of more confident nine plus readers i would say 
um, to make sure you go and get it. Now, I want to ask you, I always like to ask this question, do you have any new releases out this year that you can tell us about or are you working on anything at the moment that you can hint at? Um, I am working on something. The deadline is the end of January. Uh, mm-hmm. okay it is not yes it's still very much first draft uh stage but um it will go through various stages now and hopefully will be out in later this year ah, and can you give us any hint as to the general theme is it magical or is it, it... yes it is it's got magic in it it's got some real world in it it's got um it's got some fae, some fairy folk in it, mm-hmm. um, and a girl, um, and I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> no, don't give too much away. <laughs> uh, because it may well, things may well change anyway. I think it's, it's. Um, I feel quite excited about it, because while it's got some of the sort of same kinds of themes it also feels like quite a different challenge for me which um has been really good really good fun to get into yeah do you find that your stories change an awful lot from the first draft to the point where they're published or is it more a case of polishing and tweaking or is it a mass overhaul Uh, it's different every time um the, so a girl called Owl and Far Away Magic had various changes, but they didn't feel quite so wholesale. Uh, Snow Globe um, did need more sort of more work, and um, there were seventeen thousand words that got taken out. Wow! Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> and more written. Um, but you know, that's all. It's all part of the journey. And I think every time I sit down to write something, I think, well, I, I should know sort of what I'm doing now. And then realise I don't because it's I haven't written this book before, and every book is so different, um, yeah. and I'm so different every time I write I write one as well. So who knows what will happen next? But um, yeah. I'm feeling I'm feeling good about it right now, so that's good. And when you start writing, do you tend to have a fairly clear plan of where you want to begin and end, or do you kind of dive in the middle? Um, How do you like to? It starts with the beginning normally. Um, uh, there's a beginning, and there's a character who's sort of wants to be out there discovering things, um, and so I'll do sort of three or four chapters just off the cuff, um, and then need to sort of work out what that character is going to do and how how the world works. Um, this one actually, I've been writing uh differently it's been a bit more of a jigsaw so I've written scenes here and scenes there and then had to go back and sort of tie them all together or reorder them slightly which is different for me normally I try to write it fairly much beginning to end yeah um but this one um yeah it's been different again um so who knows what will what will happen in the in the second draft but um it's I feel that the the characters are talking to me and that's the best bit. That's where I get stuck when suddenly uh, nobody's talking to me and nobody knows where they're going <laughs> or what they're yes. doing. Um, and that happened in a faraway magic. I got to I got about a third of the way in and um, they just weren't talking to me anymore. So I had to work out what was going on and, and how, you know, how to get them out of their shells a bit. Um but yeah, that hasn't been the case with this one. They've all been quite chatty. So that's good. Good start, yeah. hopefully. 
it is helpful when they, they talk back. It is, well, the person, <laughs> so book two is a faraway magic and that's Bavar and he just doesn't really talk. <laughs> uh, so that was, I think that was the challenge with that one. But this one is, yeah, like I say, it's quite different. So fingers crossed. Lovely. And that's coming out in the summer, did you say? No, no, it'll be later in the year. Later if in the it's, year. I mean, it's still quite early days, really. If yeah. it is this year, it'll be later in the year. Oh, okay. I'll look forward to thank you seeing, well, seeing yeah. the first sighting i can't wait to see either <laughs> no it must be so exciting just waiting to see the actual completed story come together and then it be actually in its finished form in a book and it's really interesting when you see the cover as well um snow mm. globe is just a really beautiful cover and yeah helen crawford white and rachel vale um when i saw the illustration for the front i was actually still muddling around in the middle of the book and it was such a clear sight of those characters it really helped it was almost yeah. like they'd seen them in that moment more clearly than I could. Um, and it really helped, actually, to see it. So that was a really exciting thing to see. Oh, that's interesting. I know. Yeah, we wouldn't expect that to happen, but it did. And it was really lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I think well, that's there's something about it's that, that, you know, you see them there and there they are. They're real. And, um, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, no, it is exciting. Mm. Well, I, I hope the same thing happens for you with this one yeah thank you i'm sure it will um yeah um, i've been treated very kindly by macmillan and and by the designers really so i'm sure it will i'm sure it would be as beautiful as <laughs> thank and, you and previous of course yeah lovely well thank you that's brought me to the end of all my questions so i'm going to thank you very much for giving up your time to talk to me today thank and you and say that lovely. i'm very much looking forward to seeing what comes out next you've intrigued me mm i'm intrigued too i can't yeah it's it's uh it's going to be interesting to see what happens brilliant well good luck i hope it all comes together thank you together. so much thanks for having me it's been lovely that's to right. talk. and thank you very much for talking okay. i'm going to say goodbye thank you bye-bye bye-bye well if that interview hasn't tempted you to dive into the magical world of snow globe i don't know what will all i can do is say do it do it do it you won't regret it it's such a magical read. I, I really hope you enjoy it. Now, of course, Snow Globe isn't Amy's first book. Um, her debut title was A Girl Called Owl, which came out in 2017 and was also published by Macmillan and was nominated for the prestigious Silip Carnegie Medal. Now, A Girl Called Owl is all about a girl with a mum who is dippy enough to have called her Owl and has an absent dad, a needy best friend and is getting weird looks from the new boy at school. There's not much room in Owl's life for anything else. However, she starts noticing strange frost patterns on her skin and is very tempted to ignore them. But could these strange powers be linked to her absent father? And what will happen the first time she enters the mysterious world of winter? Another magical read that you will not regret getting from the library. Amy's second title was The Wonderful of Far Away Magic, again from Macmillan's Children's Books, and it was released last year. In this title, we meet Angel, who has moved to a new school after the death of her parents, and she meets a strange boy called Bavar, who is desperate to remain unseen. However, He's being urged by the enchanted house he lives in to protect the world from a magical rift through which monsters are travelling, the very monsters who killed Angel's parents. But he doesn't want to follow the chosen path, he just wants a normal life. 
but somehow Bavar and Angel must find a way to repair the rift between the worlds before it's too late. Another title absolutely crammed with magic and tension, perfect for readers age 9 and up. I am absolutely thrilled to be able to invite some of the pupils from Stenning C of E Primary School onto the podcast to share some book reviews with you. Um, they are led by their lovely librarian, Leia, and she can be found on Twitter as at SPS underscore love to read. And we've got two year six pupils reviewing some picture books for us. We've got Brandon reviewing Octopants from Little Tiger Press. And we've got The Elephant That Ate the Night from Everything With Words. I can't wait to see what they thought. So first we have Brendan with his review of Octopants by Susie Senior and Claire Powell, published by Little Tiger Press. My name is Brendan and I am a Year 6 pupil at Stunning C of E Primary School. I reviewed Octopants by Susie Senior and illustrated by Claire Powell. The book was about a silly octopus wanting to find pants. He hunted everywhere but nowhere could sell them because he had eight legs. The story was funny and had brilliant, bold, colourful pictures. I feel... The book was for two to six years old. My younger brother and sister loved it. It has lots of rhyme words. And now let's hear what Tilda has to say about The Elephant That Ate The Night, published by Everything With Words and written by Bing Bei and illustrated by Yuan Yuan Shen. It's a really good cautionary tale, so read with care. My name is Tilda and I am a Year 6 pupil at Stenning C of E Primary School. The book that I have reviewed is The Elephant That Ate the Night, written by Bing Bei and illustrated by Yuan Yuan Shen. This is a fantastic story about a deep, dark mushroom forest. Within that forest lives Tao Tao, Zaza and Duo Duo, who are three children that enjoy playing all day, but they absolutely hate dark nights. One day, Awu, an excitingly different elephant, arrives at the mushroom forest to help the poor children. He decides to gobble the dark nights right up. A story that shines with many morals, some fabulous illustrations and a great storyline. The setting is magical and intriguing. The story hooks you in right from the beginning. I think that this book mostly suits children from the age of five years and up. This story has a great moral about not taking anything for granted. I rate this book four and a half stars out of five. It is a true story for all those who hate the dark. Thank you so much for those reviews, guys. They were absolutely brilliant. Can't wait to hear what you thought of the other titles I sent you. Bye for now. If you want to get in touch with me for any recommended titles for particular topics you're doing or recommended next reads for children who love a certain author, then there are several ways you can get in touch. If you're listening to this podcast on the Anchor app, you can leave me a voice message um, direct through the app. 
Otherwise, you can get hold of me on my blog, www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram, masquerading as at book superhero 2 Or if you're a little more old school, you can find me on my Library Girl and Book Boy Facebook page. Don't hesitate to get in touch. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do tell your friends. I would really appreciate you leaving a review if possible. And don't forget to download and subscribe so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes as well. Um, The next episode is with the lovely Amber Lee Dodd about her newest book called Lightning Chase Me Home. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. See you next time. Bye bye.